Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, breathing life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett. And today's guest is Morgana Ray. Morgana is a 20-time international number one best-selling author and mentor coach. And she's regarded to be the world's number one authority on relationship with money. Her groundbreaking approach to love-centered wealth building has featured her on the Wall Street Journal, Yahoo Finance, all the major television networks, Coast to Coast Radio, and hundreds more. Morgana's fans call her the money goddess because of the many documented stories of clients manifesting unexpected income of hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and even over a million dollars within hours of changing their relationship with money. A pioneer in personal development for over 28 years, Morgana writes, speaks, and coaches from a desire to empower idealistic entrepreneurs, artists, healers, and humanitarians to have a big impact in the world and to heal the rift between heart, spirit, and money. And on a personal note, Morgana is 26 weddings deep into getting married 100 times in 100 countries to one man. Morgana, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I know that our conversation today will be an experience. I certainly intend it to be. I had a conversation earlier today, and this is dangerous when you are being quoted already by me, and I just met you. The quote that I shared today from something that I read online goes, purpose comes from an intersection of our talent and our pain. It is the friction that creates the spark of purpose, and it resonated with me. So I'd like to start off with that. That's a good one. There is a lot of very well-intentioned blame and shame in the development world and spiritual communities for people who are going through pain. And I actually believe that they can even call them our victim experiences, which I think is pretty universally human, is also sacred because our pain gives us the humility and sensitivity to be able to respect the experience of other human beings. It humanizes us. So it is a gift if any of you right now are in that dark place because I've been there and I know what it's like. I want you to know it's not a permanent place, although those dark and despairing times can actually feel like you've always been there and you'll always be there, but they really do come to an end. And I think the game of life is to find the hidden treasure. You are not going to find it in the first second, although if you do great, but it's my experience that when we get whatever that gift is, the situation, the suffering has a very strong tendency to go away because it no longer serves a purpose. And if you're in that painful place, that means that a purpose is still being fulfilled. And and so our goal as human beings and helpers of each other is to help each other discover it for yourself. Nobody can find it for you, but is really to facilitate the journey to find the purpose of this experience, the wisdom, the lesson, whatever it is, 
so that experience does not need to continue. Things that are not needed have a very strong tendency to go away. It makes a lot of sense to me. And as I think about the reason for what I do from the standpoint of providing this for others who are at a point where they're thinking, what's next? How best can I serve? What can I offer the world? And ready for the next chapter. Does there always have to be pain associated with that? Can we talk a little bit more about that? Oh, I love that. Not necessarily. It depends. Pain is a great motivator. And by the way, especially for women, there are certain emotions that we're, we get a lot of pressure to not express. Anger is at the top of that list. And I think that's a very useful emotional experience because it lets us know what our values are, lets us know what our boundaries are and when something is being crossed. And sometimes something is fine for years and years and years. And then you wake up and you're in your mid forties and it's like the scales have fallen off your eyes. And it's like, you can't unsee what you've just seen and certain things just don't fly anymore. And you're becoming more of who you are. So there's a shifting. I totally believe that not all growth is pain motivated. I think we also have appetite and curiosity and desire. I believe that what makes human beings happy, because we were talking about happy, is love and lifestyle and legacy. And legacy becomes a bigger and bigger appetite as we get farther into our lives. I was having this conversation online just yesterday about the pursuit of happiness. And I really believe that Pursuing happiness straight on has a very strong tendency to be a recipe for misery, but focusing on connection and contribution, again, like my love lifestyle and legacy, focusing on helping other people, making the world a better place, focusing on meaning and making the living experience better for other living beings. That is a very good recipe for happiness. That has a depth that is a little less fleeting because it gives meaning and purpose to our time here. So absolutely, you can be very happy and satisfied on a certain course for a good long time. And then one day you want something else and you're allowed to want something else. There may be a bit of a gap where you are grieving for what worked for you really well for a long time, and it doesn't anymore. And the grieving for what we let go of, even when we're letting go of something we don't like, there can be grief. There's a bit of a death of your identity. And let's honor that. Let's Marie Kondo the heck out of it. Just love and honor and appreciation and gratitude. And as we move into the next chapter, it's like that Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail movie where he has to step off the cliff onto this invisible bridge. And we don't see the path yet because it's hidden. And all we can do is take the next step and hope and wait for what is to come. I believe the universe works on a need to know basis. And so a lot of stuff isn't visible until it is. And then you wonder how you didn't see it all along. But hello, welcome to the human experience. Amen and amen. As I began this journey of podcasting, which came unexpectedly, but in a way it was what I was supposed to do. I just didn't know it and discovered I absolutely love what I'm doing right now. I became a coach back in 1994. I was actually an actress at the time. I grew up in Los Angeles, ran 
went away to college, got a degree in religion back East, came back to LA and did my time as an actor because it's what we do. And I'm a performer. I am. And I was having one of those super dark nights of the soul as an actor. Oh, I'm so glad I'm not an actor anymore. And I took a program for entertainment industry people, writers, directors, producers, composers, screenwriters. And it was life transforming for me because the first time I no longer saw myself a child at the grown-ups table, please, sir, will you give me a part? I realized everybody in the industry is a frightened child who is looking for the green light. And I actually could help these people who I used to think were the grown-ups. I could help them achieve their dreams. And I was so inspired by that experience that I became a coach for that organization for fun for six years to just take a vacation from the insecure self-obsession that was my life as an actor until I really discovered that I'm just happier, happier, having more fun. I like myself better when I'm helping other people. Goodbye, acting career. And that was that transition. And this was back in ye olden days when nobody had heard of coaching. Nobody knew what it was. If I said I was a coach, they asked me what kind of sport. It is so much easier for coaches these days. But I enjoyed it. So I became a coach for very selfish reasons. It was just easier for me to be happy. I loved the quality of the relationship. I loved how he with no credits would become a TV star because I made the right connections in a very short amount of time and they're selling their first feature and people winning awards. And it was like magic for me. The sticky piece for me was I'm really happy-go-lucky helping people. I just love problem solving. It's something, a light switches and I activate when somebody has a problem. But asking to be paid was uh, an icky, difficult, shame-filled experience for me. I was so worried about causing harm or people thinking I didn't care about them. But mostly I was just so afraid of causing harm. And it got to a point where consciously I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. The marketing, the websites, the public speaking, tons of celebrity testimonials because I was coaching in entertainment industry people and people who wanted to hire me. But as soon as the topic of money came up, it was like a screeching halt and I would choke. And the reason I'm sharing this is because it was after I failed at everybody else's program, whether it was like I was seeing all the marketing and the sales techniques and people would say they would hire me and they would still not hire me. They would say yes and then not show up and not pay seven times in a row. And that was when I completely just lost hope altogether. And the reason I'm sharing that is because sometimes the thing you're supposed to do creeps up on you in the guise of a giant failure, especially if you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. It may be you are here to birth something new, which is not the most comfortable thing in the world, let me tell you. It also, in my experience, because I have now coached tens of thousands of clients, over the last 28 something years is we also may be protecting ourselves from what we desire. And we're not crazy. We aren't losers. We are not self-saboteurs. We are not our worst enemies. We're actually protecting ourselves unconsciously. And the key there is to find out why, because there are always really good reasons. And I do believe that whether it's to make enough or more money or to find your soulmate, whether you're 30, 40, 50, 60, or 70, or 80, or get through some like 
health obstacle, whatever it is, if you're doing all this stuff and it's not adding up, I find it useful to look at what might you possibly be protecting yourself that you're not aware of, because if you were aware of it, of course you would handle it and make what you want safe. I find that things change dramatically very quickly when we make what we want safe. I say that change happens at the speed of safety. So in my case, it was the money block and I had to get underneath it and find out why. And it wasn't anything I expected. And I didn't find out in any way that I expected. It was really an accident for me. And that was the beginning of my experience of alchemy, which is transmuting that leaden experience into gold, spiritual, material, what have you, which I think is honestly why we're here as human beings. It's interesting that you brought up that change happens at the speed of safety, because I actually wrote it down. And then I started to think to myself, I wonder how deep you can go with that. And you really opened up a way for me to see it differently in terms of the safety piece or what's comfortable for you. One of the biggest fears that I've had about work that I do is it swallowing me up, consumes me. I just don't want to be consumed by it. So what could you set up? That you're aware of, I get the feeling, but there are also strategies to protect yourself. So because there are two ways of being consumed. One is through the busy work that you don't want to do. And it's just overwhelming. And it's a monster. Another way to be consumed is like you're on fire and excited. And that's expansive. There are four, I think, pains in human life. These are the deepest core pains, the insecurities that show up in all of our problems, including money, but also health and love and all that kind of stuff. And they are the core questions. Am I lovable? Am I worthy? Am I safe? And am I valued? So when you're talking about this fear of being overwhelmed and of it consuming you, I'm wondering, is this a fear that you will become helpless Is it a fear that it's not safe or that you're not worthy? But I'm hearing a real commitment to integrity. For sure. Yeah. And by the way, integrity is probably like my favorite value because when you really take it down to its essence, it's oneness. It is being congruent, not at war with yourself, being whole. It's a very powerful, friction-free place to be. It feels that way. Let's put it this way. If I put together or created a program, I would want there to be enough value to support someone's transformation. Without that, where's the fun? Yeah. Like client success sustains me really, truly. That is what seeing people who are in dramatic circumstances facing like, ah, like, how are we going to get out of this? And I've been there many times. So I have a certain ease with it now just through experience, but their happiness, like their discovery of self-love and self-worth and their own power. And then because of my niche, then the money results on top of that, but it's also fun. That is what gives me hope for humanity and existence is seeing that story over and over again of people coming back from drama to be really happy and empowered. And then they are going out and doing good things in the world. So honestly, there are other ways to make money, but I do what I do because it inspires me and it would not inspire me with unhappy clients. 
So you always want to deliver value that is a multiple of what you charge. I have at least half a dozen certifications, maybe more that I forgot about. I have like wicked skills. Clients describe me as magical. This is what it is. No matter what your skill set, I do believe that practice improves and your clients will make you better than any school you go to. But I'm a huge believer in actual trainings and standards and tests and skill building. I am. But at the end of the day, when is healed through you, it is in my a divine gift. It is a borrowed gift. You are channeling. They get to own their breakthrough. And you are like the divine conduit. And for that reason, you also don't want to undervalue the work because the work is almost like its own entity. And you do not want to disrespect it or insult it by undervaluing it. I'm sorry that I'm on this coaching tangent. It is like I have this obsessive coaching disorder and I can't stop it. But you have so much life experience and so much wisdom. You're like the puzzle piece for and you know who they are. And it's like your whole body tells you and you know that those are the people you can help. And you also know that there are certain people that you should not touch. They are not your people and they need somebody else. And send them with love and as much support as you can without them becoming your clients. And the truth is I had that transformation for myself by accident back in, I think it was March of 2003. And overnight, four people hired me for double what I'd ever charged before. And they kept coming. And at that time, I was Ivy League educated, half a dozen certifications, mountains of celebrity testimonials, website, brochures, business cards, public speaking, people who wanted to hire me. And I was struggling to make $100 a month in Los Angeles, which doesn't even cover cable, right? Credit card debt, borrowing from family in my 30s, totally ashamed. It didn't make any sense. I got great results for people, but I could not get paid. And that was a scary place to be. And the source of borrowing dried up. I had those seven people say they would hire me and then they didn't. And I had done everything. I'd taken every class. I'd done every woo-woo thing because there's plenty of that in Los Angeles too. I had the vision board and the mantra and blah, 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 blah. I'm still making $100 a month and nobody could figure out why. And I'm really thinking about leaving the planet. I'm so frightened and heartbroken and furious and despairing. And I have a call with my coach, which is insane that I had a coach when I couldn't even pay my rent, but thank goodness. And he asked me this weird question that changed my life. It was like, I was all set because I was in such pain. That's not necessary for change, but really useful. He asked me, if your money was a person, who would your money be? And I instantly saw this big, scary, dirty, violent biker dude who terrified me, who was scary and dangerous to me. Don't know who this is based on. I don't know this person. It was just he showed up in my mind because I was already so activated. I had that huge advantage of being in pain at that moment and ready to change. When I saw this biker, it became crystal clear that there was no way that I could have money in my life if it was this guy I could feel with every cell of my being that he was bad, that I was not crazy to keep money away. But it was the first time that my financial struggles made any sense at all because on paper, they should not have existed. I had done all the work or so I thought I had done all the work that was available at the time. But this was all conscious. And the real obstacle was subconscious. And the language of the subconscious is symbolic. 
this guy was a way for my conscious mind and my subconscious to finally communicate together and be on the same page where we could both see no money gets in the way of love. It causes fights. It causes death. It causes every horrible thing. And I don't want to be a part of any of it. So I ended that relationship. I got rid of the biker. Making it a person also made it easier to get rid of. Great. And I live in LA and now I have no relationship with money. Not a good strategy for somebody who wants to live. So I needed to dramatically replace that relationship was something totally different. But if you've ever been in a bad relationship, a bad, soul-crushing, abusive, I'm the best you're ever going to get, baby, kind of relationship, you don't want to jump into that. This is the moment where you go to the salon and you cut off your hair, which I've done. Didn't look good. But so here I am. I'm aware that I just got rid of this biker dude who was my relationship with money and I could feel the emptiness. I knew that I really needed to replace that space fill it. Nature pours a vacuum. I needed a new relationship with money right away. So I asked myself, who could I want so much that I'd be willing to have a relationship with this person, even if it was money, which is a huge distinction, not because it was cash, because that felt like the abuser, but somebody so wonderful that I'd be willing to have a relationship, even if it was money. And at that moment, as soon as I asked the question, because my experience was so intense and the monster guy was so real and he was so gone, when I asked that question, there was space for him. And I was already activated. As soon as I asked the question, I saw my new relationship. And he was this tall, dark, handsome, romantic sweetheart in love with me, wanted to woo me all dressed up in tuxedo and a bouquet of red flowers. And it was so safe. He was so loving. It was shocking, really, because the idea that money wanted to woo me was so foreign to my life experience, but it felt so real. And he felt so real. And I could also feel how I'd been hurting him, breaking his heart for years by pushing him away, which was a big surprise to me. But if you think about it, I have the body. I am the gatekeeper. All those years, I thought money had it, but no, I did. And I was pushing him away and I never knew it until I made him a person. And I could feel how much he wanted to be with me. So I asked him what he needed to be with me, which is very different than what do you need to love me? Love is unconditional. Presence is not. That's true in every relationship. You can love somebody and say, I adore you and I can't have you in my life. So in this relationship, he wanted to be with me. He loved me, but I could push him away. I could push him away by rejecting him. I could push him away by rejecting myself and breaking his heart. So I asked him what he needed because I was 32 years old and I had no idea how to allow money to be with me and stay with me the way he wanted to. I was like Olympic athlete at rejecting and repelling money, like superpowers, until I became conscious of the relationship. So I asked him and he said, I need you to love me. And it was like the sweetest love. It's not that icky love of money is the evil, creepy thing. It's because love is not evil. Love is kind. Love is divine. Love is generous. Love has this selflessness to it. It is goodness. It is not exploitation. It is not harm. It is not jealousy. That is not love. That is something else. 
side note, a friend of mine in the UK took a class in ancient Aramaic to study that passage in the Bible in the original language. That's not what it said. It actually said the worship of money will cause you problems. And I would say, yeah. I did have a question about the six-step process, the financial yes. alchemy. I'm thinking it may not have come to you all at one time. So as you start to peel back the layers that go deeper and deeper in understanding or actually having a consciousness of what was happening, what was that like after you went through the first step and then mm-hmm. with some clarity and intention and the second step unfolded? What was that process like for you as you were going through? I'm actually walking you through it right now. And anybody listening, I can direct them to where to get the six steps of transformation transforming your relationship with money from a monster to a honey who loves you and wants to stay with you. That's what I'm known for. All six steps need to be done in one sitting. You don't want to open a can of monster and then go, oh, at the time, see you next week. No, you have to take advantage of the momentum, the purpose of the monster part in the beginning. You can't skip over it because I've tried that, does not work. But I'll walk you through the six steps because I've illustrated five of them through my storytelling so that they'll make sense. So the first step is you uncover the root cause of the problem. I like to use money in air quotes as the problem. It's the pain door. I believe the universe gets our attention primarily through money, love, and health. They're all doors into the same room, which is your relationship with yourself and existence. And any pain door will do. Money is just a very useful, elegant pain door for me because in my almost 30 years of coaching, I have observed that money is the number one excuse that human beings give for what we can't have, do, or be. And by the way, even when a client has hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, money is still the problem in their relationship with their kids or the fear of losing it. Because people are people, humans are humans. Mm -hmm. It's really never about the money, but it shows up in money drama to get our attention. Hello, opportunity for evolution. So step number one for uncovering the root cause, especially in your relationship with money, is not going to be your money story. It's not even going to look like it has to do with money. It might in the beginning, but I like to go deeper. I like to go off that track to the stuff that doesn't look like it's money related. What we're looking for actually is what money represents. Money is the symptom of underlying issues around love, worth, safety and power. And I touched on that earlier. Am I lovable and loved? Am I worthy and valued? Am I safe? Is the world a safe place for me? Am I powerful or do I feel helpless here? And so our wounds, whenever we have ever felt unloved, unworthy, unsafe, or helpless, that's where we want to look. That's what is going to create a monster relationship with money, which is code for a monster relationship with life. But money is very specific and gets our attention right away because it is the thing that gets in the way of relationships, housing, medical care, food, vacations, everything you can think of. So step one, uncover the root cause. Step two is give it personhood. Make all the bad stuff, make it a person, not your parents, but you want to make it feel like a real person, even if it's not a real person, or you can make it like a real famous person who's not in your life, but you want to make it feel like, whoa, this is real. And it's all bad. That's why it's not your parents. And it's not you, no matter how monstrous a parent may have been, you're still here. 
and they are humans, so they're not all bad. The monster is all bad. The purpose of the monster is it will destroy you. If we're going to get all Freudian, we can call it your death wish. But it's everything that makes the world not a good match for you. Everything in your life experience first. And then in the outer world that makes the world unsafe, unloving, makes you feel like you don't want to be here. That is the monster. Step number three is you have a choice. Only one of you gets to survive. So you choose yourself and you put in the monster everything that you do not want to carry forward in your life experience. And you slay the monster dramatically and completely no bloody bits to reconstitute into a zombie monster. And when it's completely gone, it's like pregnancy. It's totally by it is or it isn't, you no. know, when it is gone and there's no traces of it left, then you have an open space for a completely new relationship. All that remains when the monster is gone, there's only one thing on earth that remains and that is love. So this new relationship is nothing but love. It doesn't feel like cash. It feels like love. And this will be a person too, a person who loves you and chooses you over everybody in the world. It tends to work best when it's a romantic relationship because lovers are equals. There's a vulnerability and a sweetness. It's not like your money, honey, is Oprah way up here and you're way down there. You know, your partners, your equals, your money, honey, loves you and wants to be with you. And you have the body, so you have the power here. And you get to see yourself through the eyes of the beloved, which can be very healing. I also am aware that I have coached a lot of people with sexual trauma. There's a lot of it in the world. And so what I want to say to you is your money, honey, is safe. The relationship does not have to feel sexual. If it ever does, you get to be the instigator of that energy. Your money, honey, is always respects your boundaries. And you're actually rewiring your own relationship blueprint for love and all your other relationships while you are changing your blueprint for your relationship with money. Because it's all holographic. It's all the same in the end. That's step number four is you meet your money, honey. Step number five is you have a conversation conversation with your money, honey. My first conversation was, what do you need from me to allow you to be with me the way you want to be with me? And he answered, but there, but wait, there's more. There's one more step that we didn't get to, which is grateful action. Action is magical. That's what takes it from, wow, what cool ideas and gives it physical reality. So step number six is what conscious, what concrete measurable action will you take that I could call you next week and ask if you to demonstrate to yourself that this, this relationship has changed, this relationship is real, and you are committed to this new relationship. What this does is it gives it a physical reality for you. It also gives you an opportunity to demonstrate to yourself your own worthiness. You are your word. You keep your word. You are a great relationship partner. And you want to keep having that back and forth, that dialogue. Hi, money, honey. What are we focusing on today? Have that daily communication and then take action. Baby steps. Sometimes the action may look financial. It may be balance your checkbook or call those people who owe you money. Sometimes it's not going to look like that at all. It's going to be go skating, get your nails done, go to Paris. My client who went to Paris made it over a million dollars the following month. It is, and the client who went skating made $10,000 as soon as she received a phone call offering her $10,000 out of the blue as soon as she got home. The client who stayed home to do laundry got a phone call and a $20,000 client. This stuff gets weird, which is what makes it so fun. But it's when you do the work and you feel the love and you feel that the world is completely different, even before the circumstances change, when you can sit 
down on a couch with your new relationship with money, which is also your new relationship with life. And you can look at all the drama out there, like a married couple and a team, and you look at it through the eyes of your money, honey, it's already different. You can see the opportunities. You can feel and see your own worth. You can see how you can interact differently. And then the dollar stuff that happens after, that's the frosting. It's fun frosting. Again, I have stories of my client in Idaho made one point. $2 million after I coached her. I have a bunch of clients in Idaho that I spoke there. Another client made over $12 million starting at zero in the following three years. I'm sharing the numbers because I feel like I need to ground all the storytelling and you can actually see stories with names and faces on my website because we are emotional, spiritual, physical beings. So we need to touch on all of that for any change in our life. It's very profound and it landed well. Let's put it that way. I took your relationship with money quiz going through that exercise. And I thought to myself, when is this going to end? So many questions, so many questions. Yeah. Now, it was fine. It's fine because it was part of the process. And I got my results. I think mm. it was 295. That was my number. It was 295. And I feel good about that. And it's pretty much on target. What I liked about it was the actual questions within the different sections of it that related to relationships, related to you know, these other life factors. It actually actually was an example for me or demonstrative of the areas that I should focus on more, it seemed. And that's what I got out of it. That's the point. It's not a, oh, you're bad. You failed by my program. That's not what this is at all. I come from the assumption that everybody has strengths and growing areas. And it's just to raise your awareness and then I can make suggestions to support you where you are on your journey. I believe that all of us are on the same journey and it's just a freedom to focus on love, lifestyle, and legacy. And I think I was talking about those three things earlier. The purpose of money is only to support love, lifestyle, and legacy. All financial freedom is having the financial resources to free you to focus on love, lifestyle, and legacy. That's what makes us happy. That's really our purpose as human beings. And we're all on that journey. And it doesn't actually matter what your bank account balance is. You're still on that journey. We all know that there are some very unhappy, lonely billionaires in the world. We uh, do. That's oh, not what we aspire to. We do know that. I remember Oprah yeah. once said, there are a lot of unhappy rich people in the world. I'm just not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Look, being rich isn't what makes you unhappy. And having tons of money and being unhappy is actually not my definition of rich or wealth. That is just a very fancy level of poverty. The goal is that richness of experience of life and relationship and purpose. With also, and you were bringing up not wanting to be overwhelmed, that's the lifestyle. Making millions of dollars and having no free time is not wealth. So it's like a tripod. We need all three legs as the foundation for a happy and fulfilled life. I appreciate that because I would say the three-legged stool for me is mindset, wellness, and wealth. For me, those are the things that are most important. And that's how I began this journey. And when I read the feedback or the testimonials, it gives me a really good feeling that that is the path that I should be on based mm -hmm. on what they shared with me. So that makes me feel good. Isn't that the best feeling in the world? It is. It and, is. and it's addictive. By the way, anybody listening, if you listen to this and something interesting happened, 
please let me know. Just go to my website and shoot me a note. I completely get off on that. That is my kink. I love hearing about people having a breakthrough. Breakthrough and shift. I appreciate that. So let's wrap it up a bit. Okay. <laughs> we can talk forever. One last quote by you is your relationship with money is your relationship with life. Yeah. It is a measurement or I wouldn't even say measurement because again, I don't want to equate wealth with who has the most decimal points. At a certain point, it doesn't matter. But our core issues and joys, love, safety, which is also belonging and power. Do I have agency or not? This is the path of life. And your relationship with money is really your relationship with those areas, those experiences of life. It begins with your relationship with your parents. They are your first experience of life and money. They tell you what you can have, what you're worth, if you're safe or not, if you're powerful or not. And maybe that was great, but it showed up later. I work with a lot of really advanced people in personal development, some of the biggest household name, best-selling authors in personal development come to me quietly. Because money is especially for people who are the do-gooders and care about others and the spiritual people, the relationship with money is very often the final frontier. After you mastered everything else, there's the money piece because it has an energy of taboo. And on an individual level and then on a species level, we have to get into a healthy, loving relationship with money. Seriously, with climate change and pandemics and all the chaos that is creating in the world with resources, we have got to bring love and healing to this aspect of life. And the only way I know how to do it is to start on the individual level. And that's you. And you have a ripple beyond anything you'll ever imagine. And that's our work in the world. Amen. And amen. That's a good ending point for us. I certainly do appreciate you giving me quite a bit of your time today. I'm sure our listeners will be very interested in digging in deeper. So all of your contact information will be in our show notes. But before we end our conversation, is there anything that you'd like to offer? offer our listeners or any additional information you'd like for us to have. I said earlier that if you find yourself struggling with anything and you're doing all the right stuff and you aren't getting the result you desire, that can be so painful. I've walked that path with money and I've walked that path with love. Haven't gotten there yet with health. Please have compassion for yourself and curiosity. This obstacle is actually your ally, your friend, your teacher, opening with the opportunity to open a door to more and better than you ever imagined or dreamed for yourself. It is a sacred journey. Find out what is your monster. Choose yourself and see what's waiting for you. Thank you so much. And again, greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning.